Welcome back, Ranch Nation. Hanging out with you guys from the East Valley Institute of Technology. Always an honor to spend it with you on a weekly basis, your automotive lifestyle show. But first, we got to give some homage right here to this brass and woodwind section of the Boodles Band. Yeah. Shout out to all of you out there on the weekend. KFNX and KMET in Southern California. We appreciate you. We've heard from you. Uh, welcome back. Breeze in the studio handling the day trading board is what it is, is what I call it. Hello, Miss Bree. And of course, Mr. Greg Ovis with G's up. Welcome back, baby. Yeah, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, you listen, I was in Apex and SEMA. I heard that My was My wife said, she said to me like a few months back, honey, you need to start working out. I said, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> going to go to SEMA. I'm going to give him 30,000 steps a day. And it was busy out there. How many steps did you get? Well, it was averaging about 22, 25,000. That's conservative. I've, I've, you know, met with others out there and, uh, you feel it if you're not ready, if you're not hydrated. <laughs> a lot of you car gurus, you need to hydrate. That <laughs> but is they true. had, it, it was incredible. Big shout out to Bogey, who uh, yep. released the, the Volvo that her and the Girl Gang Garage. Yeah. I missed it. I was just, you know, there's just so much. There's a lot to see. You're never going to see it all, no matter no, what. No, no. But and congratulations to her for finishing it. Yeah. And her reveal was amazing. I saw it online. Like, and the way she's her. empowering the ladies. Yep. And the education side of things. Speaking of education, um, Evit had their breakfast this morning. Big shout out to Todd Ramsey. Mr. Ramsey has been a guest on the show yep. uh, doing some work uh, with SEMA and their high school student program, as well as, hey, right here in Mesa, they've got a big performance expo coming up in March. Really? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. But Todd came out. And Bree, can you get on the mic? How was the, uh, the, the expo? Uh, I know attendance over the years, uh, I, I call it an expo. Really, it was a foundation uh, sit-down breakfast with the culinary students. What's the buzz on campus about that? Uh, the buzz on campus of that that is that it was a successful event. There were a couple of tables where we could have pulled in just a little bit more, so there's room for growth next year. But overall, the auction went well. Um, everybody that was there seemed very pleased with it, so... Yeah. We're super thankful. If you missed it, you guys can get on uh, East Valley Institute of Technology, get on the website. And um, it, it's not just about money, Greg. No, it's not. It's about your time. A lot of you shop owners are busy. That's all I hear you say. Well, we're busy. We, Every, we, we, busy. Can't, we can't find people. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. But man, just take one hour a week and donate some of your time. Agreed. You know, and I, I think there is a movement in the industry, especially in the aftermarket now, because all of you got fat. You got fat. You were doing well, and you had people, and now you're doing well, but you have no people. Right. And this is a breeding ground for talent and uh, future talent. You have to have a balance. You do have to have a have balance. To have a balance. I got to hang out with ZF. ZF. What's that? Which is ZF. Uh, they're auto manufacturer. Oh yeah. Uh, global company, Adidas Deutschlander. I got to hang out uh, with the great folks at the ZF booth. And um, specifically, uh, Philippe Colpron, who is the head of North America, talking about some fascinating autonomous. Wow. You guys are on Twitter. I see you. You're looking at what Tesla and the, and the uh, 
beta testing. You paid a little extra to beta test, and maybe that left turn is not going well. But ZF, okay, phenomenal company. They make uh, suspension parts. And, and where are they based out of? They're Vegas? based out of Germany, but they have Got a it. huge footprint here in North America, okay. of course, in Mexico. They're all, they're all over the world. And I, I was just honored to work with those folks. And I got a chance to talk to Philippe Corpron, who's their uh, is the head lead of North America, and they and Europe has got these autonomous shuttles, these little okay. buses. You're going to see them. They're okay. all they're Europe is. It seems like Europe and certainly China uh, seem to be somewhat ahead of us here yeah. in the United States. Although I do have to report this, I thought this was interesting, despite the political. Battles happening currently. We had an uptick in EV sales uh, in September. So a lot of you are saying, I'm done with my eyes. My, that internal combustion, and maybe, Greg, $4.55 a gallon gas. Are folks doing the math to say, hey, you know what? I, I yeah, they got to look at that EV. They're definitely entertaining it more than what they used to. Yeah, and and so I, I think it's fascinating. We're certainly on the way, uh, and I'm excited, actually, for this show. We have a talent coming on this show. Yeah. A lot of my aftermarket folks, all my shops across the country, they're listening. We're all getting this electrification technology study. Underhood, maybe. We're learning how not to get electrocuted <laughs> at best, right? Yeah. And all the special tooling. And we have been hip to controlled area networks and bus systems and all these things. Uh, uh, we know that uh, the left side mirror, perhaps that's going to cause a no start because it's on that circuit. <laughs> Maybe. But we're honored to have Pete Gruber, Gruber Motor Company, local rock store right yeah, here. North Phoenix, right? North Phoenix. Yep. is the first, and I believe the largest. I know he's the first. Independent aftermarket Tesla provider. Wow. Doing some phenomenal things. Gruber Motor Company is an independent electric vehicle service center, and they specialize in Tesla vehicles. Now, how does it relate to all you shop owners out there, all you technicians? You're getting your study on. What's the future <laughs> of the technician look like? Network engineer? What do you want to be called? Right. Software engineer? Whatever have you. What does that look like? And I, I, I didn't quite stumble on Pete Gruber. I studied on some of the great things that he's leading and charging as a visionary. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, Greg, to jump into a new arena like that, yeah, there's risk. A whole bunch of risk. So I said to myself, as I do my entrepreneurial self, <laughs> self, we're learning all this, but can we make a business model yeah. in the aftermarket and be profitable? Is it too early Wild West to, to sort of step into that? I know a lot of you shop owners are, are eager and looking and, yeah. and so on. And, of course, you've got uh, a few others in the country. I, you know, I use the expression Frankensteining it. <laughs> um, some of that's because we don't get all the information from Tesla. And, of course, Pete Gruber is going to give us uh, more details on that here shortly. It seems like he just jumped in the trenches. And went right, it, so. but jump, jumped in the trenches is more than just like World War One right. trench. That's a deep. I one. mean, we're talking sophisticated yep. uh, setups, and then also sort of creating a company with divisions to to sustain mm-hmm. more 
than just servicing. We all know if you're listening and you've got your Model 3 and your Model S, or perhaps you're in a Rivian and you're out there, you're like, I just divorced my mechanic. (laughs) Yes. Okay, we get it. But now what? But, I mean, there's some services needed. Uh, Of course, (laughs) not as many moving parts and so on, and there's over-the-air updates and so on. Um, But we're going to have Pete Gruber join us here shortly, and we're really excited about this because Pete's been around. It It wasn't just like, let's just start this from scratch and, you know, I was a roofer prior. Yeah, I want to hear a story. Pete has been around. It's decades-long experience servicing critical power equipment, uh, which is sort of the same fundamental technology that's now found in electric cars. So he's he's been around, and uh, we're anxious to talk to him. Uh, We did see an increase, uh, an uptick in uh, EV sales. So we know we're not, this is just not a fad. The hydrogen crowd, you got to respect hydrogen, would seem to think, especially over at Toyota's camp, seems to think that there's 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 a mindset that says EVs, well, not going to be everything. Mm -hmm. Hydrogen still has a potential play in the marketplace. I'll tell you what we have seen as well, and, and I totally removed from electric vehicles, but I do want to forewarn you Dodge and Chrysler drivers. Uh-oh. Takata airbags. We've been dealing with this since oh, 2015. <laughs> these exploding. These are horrific. It's getting serious now, though. It's it? a roadside bomb in your steering wheel, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, exploding Takata airbags, two fatalities just recently, meaning in the last month, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, have prompted Dodge and Chrysler... Specifically, uh, FCA, which is the U.S. operating side of Stellantis. They're telling you, Dodge and Chrysler drivers, more than a quarter of a million of you, and, and this, this news article is date stamped for first week of November, that they want you to not drive. These are 276,000 of these. Wow. Specifically, sorry to give you the news, my Dodge Magnums. Chargers, Challengers, and the Chrysler 300s. Wow. What years? Well, we're talking from 05 to 2010. Now, remember, this had been ongoing. Some of it was you people were sleeping. You didn't check your emails. Yeah. You know, all of these manufacturers will do their best short of sending you smoke signals and (laughs) semaphore and Morse code. And a pigeon. And a pigeon to forewarn you. And a lot of you have heard about the Takata. I just find it interesting. Mm. We've got this uptick. So uh, they're talking uh, just in general Takata going back to 15 or so, tens of millions of these worldwide. It wasn't just a U.S. phenomenon. Uh, Takata really did a job with uh, sort of halfway. In my understanding, because we reported on this story years ago, was that they were more prone in humid climates. So Florida was a big deal, and they they would rust out. And, you know, that airbag is a a scientific gem. You got this explosive charge, Mm -hmm. and here comes... Now, what do you... You don't want anything explosive behind the wheel, but what you do want is the biggest, baddest, softest, pillow-like... Bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's incredible. It it amazes me. We've done some work with the ABC 15, and... You know, they, we always like to get an airbag and 
Yeah. Let's uh, wire controlled up. environment. Let's blow one of these suckers Nothing's up. Nothing's controlled, but still. Uh, and I was always leery about doing that, primarily because I didn't, you know, I didn't want people to go. Well, let's get a nine volt battery yeah, and blow it up. This. But um, during that time, uh, early 15, 16, 17 for sure. So if you drive a Dodge Magnum, Charger, Challenger, Chrysler 300, a lot of you out there, easiest way to do this. We tell you all the time, NHTSA, you pay taxes for this, NHTSA.gov. Especially my people right now that are buying. I know the used car and new car market, just a lot of you saying, heck no, I'm keeping my clunker. (laughs) And a lot of us mechanics are saying, yes, we'll fix it. (laughs) But that... New and used car market, perhaps that end of year's coming, you're getting a bonus, and you decide to buy a used Magnum Charger Challenger or one of these 300s between 2005 and 2010, do your due diligence. Yeah, you have to. You know, most dealerships want to make it right, but the fact is there may be a back order situation. They may not be able to get, for a while, these Takata airbags were just... You know, there was a, a backlog. So what are you supposed to do if you can't, if they're saying don't drive your car, but they can't provide the part? What a, they Well, what a it's, li- it's liability. Yeah. A lot of you saying, Frank, screw that. I got to get to work right. or I got to I gotta do what I have to do. Bottom line is mainly, I want to speak to those of you that may be buying one of these as a used vehicle. Get on a NHTSA, make sure there isn't an outstanding recall regarding these Takata airbags. It, it may just change your buy. Yeah, that's true. That VIN number is loaded with information, and don't trust anyone. Get the data. Get the facts. Greg, what's going on in the antiquity classic car side of things? Well, let me tell you, it's, you know, I wasn't here last week, so I, there's a lot been going on. I don't have time to share all of it, but I have a great armored truck story. That I armored? Wanted. Armored was truck. Like a classic uh, car? No? I'll okay. get to that one next all week. All right. But um, one thing that's popped out in some conversations recently is, believe it or not, converting classic cars to EV. That's a, I think it's there's a big, big movement. A yeah. big deal. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are saying, well, hey, guess what? No more oil leaks. No more smoking of the engines. and No more remain seals and all paint gaskets. None of this none kind of, of maintenance stuff. But I wanted to share this with you. Check out this custom hot rod that was converted to EV. Of and, course. And Oh, wait a minute. Here it is. Oh, you, yeah. So for someone to take the most EV builders guide, guide. I for, like that for someone to take the most profound and historical hot rod that you would never take an engine out of and to switch it to EV is just an amazing feat. And the way this is, was built and the way it was presented, it just is, it's an amazing build. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to that more this year and next year than they ever thought they would. And some guys are even pulling big, huge block motors out of their car to convert. And it's just something I've, I haven't seen uh, a lot of action on that. Well, I think I recently think, I have. I think you'll see you'll see that happening, um, right. and and I think you'd have to be on the lookout for right. those that think they know but they don't, and it it turns into a flop. But I love the title of this article uh, in this EV builder's guide: "Honor the past, yep. protect the future." Is Legacy EV's short yet sweet mission statement. So, a uh, shout out to. Uh, Legacy EVs. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're creating it, some great kits, too, and they're going to do a bunch of R&D on, on you know, different kits Maybe now. we can get them on the show. I know it we talked to a few others in the past about that. Um, but, so, But, yeah, anyone that's that's was hesitant about that in the past years, um, a lot of them are switching their minds now. So yeah. it's, it's interesting to see that in the classic car market. Big movement. It's here. It's now. Yep. However, what's a business model look like? 
We know that the technology is here. We know that we're going to get this training. But what's it look like from a profitability point in the back service base of a modern day automotive service center, if we can even call it that? We're honored to have Pete Gruber, Gruber Motor Company. He's a local rock star right here in Phoenix, North Phoenix. I want you guys to stay tuned, Ranch Nation. Bolt-On Technologies, automotive software solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-On Technologies software provide customer vehicle condition reports, including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Support for Wrench Nation Car Talk, the smart choice for auto parts, Pronto National Association. Pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry. Pronto Association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors. Visit pronto-net.com. Automotive technical training, parts lineup, and representation of the automotive member community. Pronto-net.com. Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time, the quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me? My clients, and they're likely not to come back. Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you are an installer, Get on to partsauthority.com. Check locations nationally near you, partsauthority.com. I want my mileage back. Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. BG, BG. All my technicians and shop owners, get ready. 2023 AVI Conference is happening right in beautiful Marriott Sanibel Harbor Resort and Spa in Fort Myers, Florida. January 12th to the 15th, 2023 AVI Conference. AVI is an accredited ESC training provider. You know them well. Offering very progressive courses in the arena of hybrid and EV technology. You gotta know, because it could be in your service base. And in all reality, we're talking about diesel technology as well as engine performance. Register today. Book your event ticket. You can visit avionondemand.com. I will be in-house. I'll be teaching a course on marketing and small business strategies and tactics for the service space. avionondemand.com. Get on to WrenchNation.tv, of course, Fireball Tim, award-winning designer. In fact, we're proud oh, to yeah. announce we've we've got a coloring book coming out. I mean, uh, up there with uh, Magnus Walker and Sid hey. Mead and all. And I, Congratulations. I think that's really cool. Uh, electric vehicles are here. And one of the first, in fact, the first, I should say, commercial independent Tesla service organization that is providing engineering and aftermarket support, Gruber Motor Companies, 
which is led by Pete Gruber and his team. They offer services ranging from ESS battery pack repairs and module upgrades while providing an economical approach. Not cutting corners. Nobody wants to cut corners. Have to have quality. But an economical approach at a component level without compromising the quality you deserve for your Tesla. Uh, Pete Gruber's on hold. Let's bring Pete in. Pete, welcome to Wrench Nation. Well, thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, welcome. Uh, Pete, that was a boatload. You guys are doing some great things up there in North Phoenix, and you're in our backyard. You're a you're a quiet gem hiding back there. How are you? <laughs> uh, doing well, yes. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know we were that quiet, though. These days we've got a social media team that is just plastering us all over the the globe. But um, Yes, you are. Actually, you're, you're doing an amazing job uh, for you listening. Ensure that you get on to, uh, let's just say it, what's the YouTube channel uh, so we can get folks onto it? YouTube channel, Gruber Motors, and we also have a live podcast every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 Mountain Standard Time. You're, oh, out, wow. you're out there educating, you're sharing and sharing with the world. Uh, currently, Tesla seems to be right around that 65-70%-ish uh, market share. You've been in the industry for a long time. Can we kind of go back and talk about how you got started before you even decided, hey, there's an opportunity uh, to get in the EV space in the aftermarket? Absolutely. Um, You know, for me personally, I've always had two passions. It started with electronics as a kid and then later on cars, Um, very much into muscle cars, rebuilt a bunch of Mopars, owned an ACR Viper, had a Ferrari for 23 years, uh, loved cars. And um, my wife in the 90s and I decided to go uh, a little bit uh, greener by getting Priuses in the 90s. And um, it was my daily driveway. And, and, and uh, you know, the, uh, the Priuses have a battery problem. Um, you, um, it's a pretty expensive replacement. And uh, we wanted to uh, trade, into some, or, uh, trade up to something else before those batteries went bad. So I needed another daily driver. And I thought, this time I'm going to go battery electric vehicle, BEV, 100% electric, rather than in hybrid. And um, I looked on uh, Craigslist, and I looked on, uh, on eBay, and I found a Tesla Roadster for sale. It was a black one, and uh, it was in Los Angeles. Started a contact uh, process, and it, um, I suspected it was George Clooney's Roadster because of the description, and there was a personal assistant involved, and they said it was celebrity-owned, but they couldn't tell me who it was, you know, that type of thing. I mean, because the Roadsters, there weren't many. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was uh, pinnacle for yep. uh, the start of uh, Musk and his team. And here yeah. you are. You're out there grabbing a Roadster. Um, can I ask how many Roadsters at that time were available? Out? Yeah. Well, they built 2,400 of them globally, and um, today we've got a census program on our website where we track um, the owners of the roadsters, and there are about 16, 1,700 that we've accounted for. So there aren't that many left. And in 2013, when I was looking at getting into an electric vehicle, I had never even heard of a Tesla Roadster, honestly, and uh, was pretty impressed with its design. You know, it's a Lotus Elise body, basically. Right. So it's a sports car. And being a sports car guy, um, you know, that appealed to me. Um, but what I ended up doing was I, I'm, I talked to a friend of mine in town here before I flew to L.A. to look at the car uh, who had a Roadster. And um, I asked him how he uh, liked it, and he said, I love it. 
but there's a problem with it. Uh, I've got two little girls, and the passenger airbag does not turn off. And I just don't want to take the risk. So are you interested? We struck a deal. And the next thing you know, I've got my daily driver roadster. Um, I drove the car for a year. Um, And one day, I'm taking my lunch pail out of um, uh, the back of the car. And one of our field engineers who works in our critical power division, we have a nationwide critical power uh, service division and sales division that uh, repairs uninterruptible power systems and lighting inverters and um, Mm. in uh, large data centers. And he asked me, he says, what is that black box that was sitting there in my trunk? And I said, well, that's a three-phase inverter. And he said, "Uh, really? I told him a bit more about it. And he says, you know, we repair those. And, you know, guys, I don't understand why, but prior to that time, it never occurred to me that we've been in the Tesla repair business all along. That's amazing. It comes full circle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's in a Tesla is identical to what's in a data center in an uninterruptible power system. You have a DC plant or a DC source. You've got a three-phase inverter that converts all that DC to electricity for all of your servers and uh, all the equipment. Mm -hmm. The only difference is... Uh, in the car, it's driving a three-phase AC induction motor, uh, and you don't have all the servers to contend with. Um, so so it was really a natural, the, it seemed to be a natural segue, yeah. your passion for cars, um, your experience in the industry. It, it just seemed to be a natural play yeah. to go from, from that to... So what, what were you thinking back then, Pete? I mean, did you want to start a couple of bays... How did that, from a business model, start for you? Well, it happened fairly quickly. The more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? He's absolutely right. Um, that weekend, I went out on Craigslist again, and this time I typed in Tessa Roadster Service. And, um, you know, I mean, there, were very, there was very little information about Tessa Roadsters at that time. But I happened to, um, uh, to come across a guy that was advertising Tesla Roadster Service Repair. And uh, I contacted him. It turns out that he had uh, quite a few technical skills. We needed a tech manager in our critical power division. And I said, look, why don't you interview for this position? But at the same time, I want to intrigue you with the notion of um, taking us into the Tesla repair space along with this job that you're applying for. Well, we hired him. he ended up having a contact up in the Bay Area that had a Tesla Roadster at a Tesla service center. Well, Tesla service centers do not repair anything. They swap modules, they swap subassemblies, they swap giant batteries, right? So this customer was faced with what, um, what on the surface appeared to be a simple repair. It was a burnt up fan connector. But the only option that they presented him was replace the PEM for $10,000. A PEM, by the way, is a power electronics module, which is the three-phase inverter. Wow. So faced with that $10,000 repair, our manager um, intrigues him with the, um, the notion of sending the car to us, and we'll fix that PEM. The car gets here. Not only did we repair the problem with the PEM, but we completely upgraded and rebuilt his PEM which is, by the way, another uh, concept that most EV owners seem to miss. Well, let's talk They're, about that, the yeah. upgrade. I, I, I want to interject real quick. Of course, yeah. we, we do have quite a few Tesla owners listening to the show, but here you are, you're on this mission. You didn't really get a whole lot of help, and, 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 and perhaps that's gotten a little better, 
but nowhere where it needs to be by way of Tesla feeding information to you to make your day happy. Um, right. When, you, when you're talking about replacing a pigtail and then doing this upgrade, you're also talking about software and, and, and writing code, from my, my understanding, right? And so talk to us about that journey. Because folks listening now don't understand. A lot of these mechanics and technicians, um, they don't get that side of what that looks like for the future. Well, at that time that that Roadster showed up here, um, you know, Roadster uh, or a Tesla wouldn't give us the time of day. We were a competitor. We were an unknown. Uh, there's no support whatsoever, schematics, test, uh, you know, drawings, wow. test points, even parts. So what they didn't realize is that we're very familiar with that process because in the critical power business for 30 years, we have the same problem. The manufacturers don't like competition. So they, they intentionally avoid competition. They don't give them any support, and some even design elements into their product to limit the ability for competitors to be successful. Padlock software is one of them, proprietary software. So um, at that time, we simply applied the same skills that we had honed for 30 years in a critical power business and reverse engineered the Tesla Roadster. And that's how we developed our expertise and our ability to understand and repair these vehicles, the electronics in these vehicles. Along with uh, repairing, upgrade, software, and so on, when you started, I imagine there would have been a natural segue also into the sale of these vehicles. Could you talk to us about us the, the different divisions that you have there at uh, Kruber Motor? Right. You know, um, the sale of Teslas, of course, is uh, controlled by the company. Um, they don't work through dealers. They don't set up resellers. One thing that we do, however, is we have a free Tesla Roadster matchmaking site on our website, which uh, gives the, the sellers an alternative to expensive auction houses who take a large chunk of commission and really aren't equipped to sell a Tesla product because they don't understand the technology. With us, when uh, somebody lists a Roadster with us for sale, both the buyer and the seller get tech support. It comes along with the territory. So it's a full concierge level of service, Greg. I like that That's idea. A great idea. Yeah, because, I mean, you can't. I mean, Tesla's got it wrapped up yeah, locked down. To, a, to a point. I mean, when you, when you have terminology like padlock software, I know. Uh, they're not going to let you just freely sell yeah. these. Um, if, if, if you're listening, get on to GruberMotors.com, and you can check that out. There's a whole uh, slew of sections, uh, Roadsters for Sale, Services, Gallery, Newsletter, and so on. Pete, you've been able to swiftly, with a great team, manage to overcome some serious trials and tribulations. Those of us that have been in the industry as sort of traditional brick-and-mortar automotive service centers, and, and, and at that, doing doing well by their communities, the consumer, by the folks they employ, look at this and say, this is a whole different ball of wax. I, I want to get into the meat of it. If you can offer some recommendations, I would like to invest into something similar to what you're doing. What, what challenges am I going to have? Well, the first thing is a, um, an existing shop that specializes in wrenching and uh, you know mechanical type repairs is going to have an extraordinarily difficult time pivoting into the type of work that we do. 
Um, I hate to say this because the majority of your audience, of course, are uh, people in that um, in that situation. We need the I truth. We need the yeah. truth, Pete. Give <laughs> us the give truth, us the truth, right. baby. Don't hold back. <laughs> Don't hold back. And by the way, I've got to mention this because we're flowing on this. Please, people, right. get on to, to, to Pete's YouTube. Yeah. Because uh, one of the ways I said, man, i got to have Pete on, is you came out with a very, very well-presented video about what you're going to say here I in just a moment too. about, hey, hey, gang, uh, uh, mechanic, technician, if you're going to move towards the future, I'll allow you to continue, Pete. Um, you, you're going to need these skill sets. Yeah. You know, the, um, uh, the difficulty that we face, everybody asks, are you going to scale? Are you going to open in L.A.? Are you going to open overseas? We can't. We can't find people that can do this type of work. And the primary reason is you need three distinct skills, and they don't happen to come in the same package. The first skill is you need an electronics background. You need to know what a diode and a choke is and what, an, uh, what a MOSFET does and how to use the test equipment to troubleshoot. Now, if you were a factory-authorized shop, which, by the way, there aren't any factory-authorized EV franchises yet, it would be much easier because you would have access to a, a variety of parts. In our space, in the independent world, we don't have a large parts room that we can go in and pull modules and subassemblies. We're forced to troubleshoot and repair right down to component level, which means opening up that, batter, that uh, big battery pack opening up that uh, three-phase inverter, chip-chasing right down to the, to the uh, transistors, to the choke, the chips, or whatever, or the diodes. And uh, that skill, of course, comes with people that are uh, well-trained in electronics, electronics technicians. The second skill that you need to work on these cars, it's all about software, firmware, uh, Linux-based, CAN signals. So having a software background is also vital. And then the third one is wrenching, you know, being able to uh, work on the mechanical portions in the car. We've been unable to find those three skills in one individual, so we tend to break it apart into teams. Um, if I try to take the guys that work in the electronics lab and have them go out and do a brake job, they don't want to get grease under their fingernails. <laughs> the guys that don't mind getting grease under their fingernails can't come in the lab and change and chip chase that, um, uh, that electronics module or that board. So um, I don't know what the answer is short term for these schools. By the way, we have schools that come to us, UTI, um, MEC here locally, uh, the Extension Center, and they ask us to look at their curriculum. You know, how can we make our training more relevant to the future? And um, it is, um, it's, um, it's a daunting task. I don't have a simple solution for them. It's a large order. Um, it's, it's, it's good at this point. I mean, California has said 2035, ICE vehicles going to be gone. I mean, we, I think we have some time yet. But, Pete, could you give us a quote about how many of these Teslas actually are going to be just overflowing to the point where Tesla just can't keep up? Do you have some statistics on that level? I don't have statistics, but if you guys look at the um, at the aggressive production um, uh, project, um, uh, the projections, like for um, uh, take Lucid for example, even Rivian, I don't think there's any way that any of these EV producers, once they get their act together and start, uh, and the assembly line is running 100%, are going to be able to build the service delivery system 
to keep pace with the number of vehicles they're cranking out. Even if those vehicles were 100% flawless without any bugs in them, which of course is not going to be the case, that's why Tesla shops are so full of warranty work, is because of all of the unanticipated problems uh, since they're not a mature auto manufacturer. Um, I think that the future is going to be that these manufacturers are going to have to outsource. The difficulty they're going to face is there are very few of us out here that have the type of skills that can accept a Lucid project and start doing warranty work for them, or Rivian, or Solo, or any of these other EV manufacturers, even Tesla for that matter. Um, that, that's phenomenal. Vision, yeah, that's just a, it's a big, big wall in front of us. There is. Um, my vision of the future to solve this problem is going to be smart cars, putting AI into the cars where they become um, self, uh, self-diagnosing. Um, just to give you an example of what, is, what already exists, every Tesla is a node on a network. And there's a mothership in Fremont that actually knows where every single car is, where, um, how fast it's going, what it's doing, how long it's sitting in that parking lot at that restaurant, and what, um, what type of problems or what type of errors it's reporting. That information can now be digested and fed back to a service center. If the charge port door is starting to stick, for example, the car can send that information to the mothership. It contacts the local service center and says, do you have the part in stock? And if the answer is yes, they notify the owner and say, you should really take your Tesla down to the Scottsdale service center. We are going to need to replace your charge port door before it fails completely. That technology already exists. Now, you can go a step further with full self-driving. If the car realizes it's got a problem and the, and the service center has the part, that car could drive itself to the service center, and a loaner could have been dispatched before it left. So the following morning, the owner wakes up and says, oh, it looks like I've got a loaner today to drive without needing to be involved. Now, what that also does is it removes the sophisticated skill level necessary from the technicians or mechanics, I don't know what to call them anymore, um, so that we get back to the simpler module swapping uh, philosophy. That's so anyway, fascinating. That's my vision. You, you just, uh, <laughs> I, for some reason, I thought of the elevator man. It kind of where is where we're headed as mechanics. <laughs> right? uh, and I say that respectfully. I, I, I think many of us in the industry, we actually look forward to the next leap. And I, and I, I don't think it's an impossibility. Um, I, I hear what you're saying regarding uh, autonomous. Uh, we had gridlock Sam Shorts on, uh, New York City tra- former New York City traffic commissioner. He comes out with a book. It's a no one behind the wheel. His prediction is that you could be arrested for driving in uh, mid-century. So <laughs> I guess yeah. we're not too far away. But uh, Pete Gruber, I want you to hang tight with us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back, talk more about the business side, some more Underhood talk right here on Rich Nation. of the population family are women. We love you ladies, but less than 3% of you women are professional technicians. Our charity partner, Tech Force Foundation, believes if we want to solve this little technician shortage, we need to start talking to 52% of these ladies out in the population. Head on over. If you feel like you can tinker with the best of them, head on over to techforce.org. 
Right on, welcome back, Wrench Nation. You get on wrenchnation.tv. I'll catch a show with the podcast upload on Sunday. And of course, thank you so much for uh, joining with us every week, your automotive lifestyle show. On the phone, we've got uh, Pete Gruber, Gruber Motor Company. I invite you to visit grubermotors.com for more details. Welcome back, Pete. Well, thank you. Yes. We, we appreciate you spending time. You guys are extremely busy up there. And there was a question that came in. Does your work void any warranty with Tesla? Uh, no, it does not. And let me explain that a bit further. Initially, Tesla was confused by our success and who we were. As the years progressed, they actually began to reach out to us for parts initially. And now we have a strong partnership. We help them wow. with uh, the legacy Roadster parts. In fact, we're part of their procurement team. And uh, we share tech tips with them. We share schematics with them. And... Um, which is really enjoyable because in the, critical, um, in the critical power space, we never reach that level of cooperation and support. But with Tesla, a completely different animal. They are, um, they are very supportive. And uh, so to answer the question, it does not void warranty. Yeah, excellent, because we've got folks listening that uh, we, we definitely want to send your way, uh, well worth the visit, and so on. Um, some would say that if we can talk maybe not politics, but sort of government and regulations and so on, they're not too friendly with Mr. Elon Musk. It seems like not only is it an uphill battle for him to produce one of the most difficult things ever, uh, times four maybe when you think SpaceX and so on, but to start a automobile company, manufacturing company, is a large measure. And then to have all of this sort of mud being thrown at you, uh, um, what do you think Elon Musk sees regarding the future? He's been quoted as saying, hey, I want all of us to succeed. Obviously, he wants to sell a ton of Teslas, and, and that's the mission at, at its very root. What do you think Elon Musk is thinking regarding the competitive fields with folks like Rivian? We know that the Chevy Equinox is coming out here uh, another year or so, uh, full-on EV. What do you see... Elon's thought process on the landscape of uh, competition? Well, I've talked to Elon a few times, and um, um, I find Elon uh, very refreshing as a businessman. Unlike uh, some business uh, owners that are fairly myopic, that uh, attempt to, um, uh, uh, to kill competition, um, I, find that, um, I find that Elon actually has a much broader vision in mind. And the goal, of course, is to heal this planet and to take us into sustainable, um, into sustainable energy use. Um, you know, just like Nikola Tesla, who was willing to share patents, unlike his, uh, his contemporary, Thomas Alva Edison, who was a patent troll, um, Elon is much more like Nikola Tesla. Yeah, I mean, he is sharing patents, of course, not recent. I, I think there's, a, there's a, a few years' time span, but I read that and I thought that that's incredible. I mean, the bigger mission is to do that, is, is yeah. to make a greener planet. And it, it just, in, in observation, and then there's a lot of noise out there, but in observation, it just seems like he gets a lot of, a lot of heat yeah. uh, from, yeah. from sort of the anti-Tesla crowd or just maybe anti-EV. And, and we get it. There, there are oil lobbyists out there. And could, could you talk to us about that? There seems to be some confusion regarding the carbon footprint from A to Z in manufacturing an electric vehicle. Um, could you set us straight with that? I mean, 
it's still a lot cleaner than anything crude oil based for sure. It's still a lot cleaner, and of course, the direction uh, you know is definitely the right one for us to go in. Um, you know, Elon is um, he's um, he's philosophical about the attacks that uh, uh, that are coming his way. You know that rid- uh, that ridiculous statement that GM is leading the EV charge. I mean, that was that was so blatantly false and and uh, silly that everybody saw through it immediately. And uh, you know, Elon saw humor in it, um, as did the rest of us. Um, there's some really great um, uh, uh, things happening in the EV space. Um, J.B. Strobel, for example, uh, was a CTO of Tesla for 14 years, close relationship with, um, uh, with Elon and the team there. He started Redwood Materials, which is a battery recycling operation. And um, he actually has the company now to where they, they have a zero waste um, uh, stream. And um, the, the over 90% of the materials in a lithium-ion battery pack are fully recyclable, from cobalt to stainless steel um, to the lithium. And they're now building a plant real close um, uh, to one of Elon's plants, so the supply chain problems um, are much shorter than they were when they were bringing lithium in from South America. Um, you know, there's some there's some great visionaries that are involved in this alternative energy um, uh, program, and it's not just Elon. There are many others and very committed people at Tesla to that goal. Um, so, you know, it's an exciting time. And um, I, I, I love answer- the idea, Pete, regarding because yeah. there was a lot of uh, uh, attack on the fact that sort of these rare earth metals they're they're not infinite and so on. And here we have Redwood Materials, which creates this whole circular supply chain, um, which would have been sort of the next natural step. And I, I think that's really amazing because it, it limits, right, what we're doing for waste and how we do look from a green, uh, carbon-free world that we all deserve sure. to live in. I have to ask you regarding batteries. I, I have got a lot of technicians out there that are hybrid techs and uh, the Prius you had mentioned earlier, uh, there's uh, obviously that's been been in the fleet for many years. In fact, Toyota, uh, yes, they they've had issues with their battery, but overall it was pretty fairly stable uh, platform. Could you talk to us about what you're seeing in the Tesla batteries, and does the battery completely have to be replaced all the time like that? Well, at this point in the evolution of the batteries, yes, um, a, a complete replacement is the most cost-effective way of handling it, unless you have shops like us that will actually go inside and repair. And, of course, there are very few of those. Um, the, um, uh, the nice thing about this new transportation revolution is, you know, we, we spent a century with virtually um, the same technology in the ICE vehicle world or the fossil fuel burners. Now that we've moved transportation into electronics, we're going to see exponential improvements, um, as we've seen with uh, you know, electronics since uh, even the last century. Um, there is a lot of great stuff happening with batteries. And despite the fact that we have a great relationship with Tesla, there's certain things they don't share with us, like their forward-thinking um, uh, a development with things like battery technology. Um, but I can assure you that uh, this is a temporary problem. The high cost of batteries, the, uh, uh, the size of batteries, the weight 
um, all of that will improve dramatically as uh, things continue to um, uh, to evolve technically. You know, you take a company um, like Aptera, who actually put solar cells on the top of their car. They can go 40 miles just on solar, on a solar charge. That is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, the future is going to be... Um, uh, much more of that type of technology, including inductive coupling, which is charging methods uh, without connecting to anything while you're driving. There are already roads in, um, I think, Israel, and I forget what the other country was, where they've, they have experimental roadways where you're actually charging as you're driving. Yeah, and the technology is, is coming so fast. Um, I want to mm-hmm. talk about the reliability, and of course, we're, we're open for everyone to succeed. We're not beating anyone up, but Sandy Monroe, I mean, he's a legend as, uh, you know, an automotive industry engineer uh, mm-hmm. known as the teardown titan. Like, he, that's what he does for a living. He makes your stuff better. He'll tear it down. He's tore down quite a few electric vehicles. I, I believe most, if not all. That's, it's been his mission for, for the last few years, him and his team there at Monroe. And he was quoted as saying... That Tesla is almost light years away by the rest of the field. And again, we want to be respectful and mindful for those in in the space. But I've got to ask you, do you see the manufacturing landscape changing dramatically short of going out of business if we don't catch up uh, to the technology are you are you fearful of what that landscape could look like in terms of what Tesla has now in technology? Again, I don't want to mention names, but what what does manufacturing look like for a lot of these folks that traditionally weren't software heavy and software based? They are now. They're kind of matching up software and hardware. How do you see that? Well, um, yeah, without mentioning names, uh, there are some incumbents that um, may not make it. And um, it's, it's going to be very difficult for a company that has production lines, mature production lines, and union labor, uh, you know, different type of labor costs, and um, a missing skill set to pivot quickly enough to switch over. Um, the newcomers have a much easier time because they're developing new infrastructure. And, um, of course, like you mentioned, Tesla has a quantum lead over the majority of them. But uh, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, the newcomers aren't going to succeed. Uh, The ones I'm concerned about are the incumbents, Um, you know, the ones that uh, uh, have been supplying us cars for the last hundred years. Yeah, it's my feeling Mm -hmm. as well. And, again, we hope everyone makes it, but uh, the facts are the facts. Uh, Let's speak on facts. Some in the consumer world have a sort of especially with Ian that just took place. Uh, could you talk to us about how safe these batteries are? There were some salt water issues with uh, uh, sort of compromise in these battery packs. Was this sizzle in the media? How safe are these batteries in regards to uh, moisture and, and specifically salt water? You know, comparatively speaking, when compared to ICE vehicles, EVs are, are infinitely uh, safer than, uh, um, than the ICE vehicles when it comes to igniting and fire. Uh, we, did a, uh, we presented some statistics in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I can't quite remember what that was, but it was a s- substantial difference. Of course, um, 
the uh, the EVs catching fire get all the press because that's what people are concerned about. It's new, it's different, it's unknown, and we fear the unknown. Um, as technology continues to improve, one of the brightest things on the horizon regarding battery technology is moving from lithium to graphene. And um, in terms of um, uh, the um, uh, the amount of product available, graphene is carbon. I mean, it's one of the most plentiful elements on Earth. Um, and it's also much safer. It does not ignite. It does not burn if punctured. And uh, it's going to be lighter. It's going to give greater range. But we have to give these companies a chance to develop uh, the technology and debug uh, you know, what they're working on. And again, we're, we're in the world of electronics now where things happen much faster than they did in the mechanical world. I have a question regarding the right to repair. Of course, the Auto Care Association. There are many mm -hmm. automotive uh, associations out there, different stakeholders uh, uh, from our farmers in the Midwest that are getting locked out of their tractors and their combines because they just don't, they're not allowed to fix their stuff if they will, if you will. Uh, right to repair enables uh, the automotive technician currently uh, to have free flowing data. Australia at this point uh, is full on right to repair uh, that was passed. We seem to struggle here in the United States. What are your thoughts on right to repair? And um, will, will Tesla even uh, show up to, uh, to the party regarding right to repair? I know you've got a great relationship and you're, you, you've been very progressive there, but uh, some of us in the industry are a little uh, worried about unfettered access responsibly to the data to fix and service these vehicles properly. Well, yeah, good point. Um, it, um, the complexity of these vehicles is much different than uh, that internal combustion engine vehicle that uh, basically a backyard mechanic could, uh, you know, repair and uh, work on, uh, get parts for, et cetera, et cetera. Nowadays, we have um, highly complex systems in these EVs, which... Um, uh, they have intelligent door handles. There are, um, you know, trunk control modules. Everything is part of firmware. And in order to replace something, you can't, uh, you, you no longer go in and change a mechanical door handle. You have to then uh, realign that with firmware, it's, which yeah. now requires a yeah. different set of tools. You have to have software. You have to have some knowledge on how to use it. And although the manufacturers may be forced to make that kind of, or those kind of tools available, um, the um, the training manuals on how to use it may not be part of that package. Uh, you know, Tesla currently uh, has a toolbox subscription. Toolbox is uh, the name for their software that allows uh, you to do certain work with the car. Um, and they make that available on a subscription basis. But you really have to know how to use it in sure. order to be effective with it. Right. And that's where the problem occurs with this right to repair. They may give you the tool or make it available on a pay-for-view basis, but who's going to give you the skills to use it? Yeah, yeah I mean, there is, there is training, and I, I totally understand. We're not in a plug-and-play world anymore. Um, you know, we're, we're currently seeing uh, bus, uh, you know, networks and systems and, and how to communicate on those. Um, do you see, if you could, we have a few minutes left, do you see a solution to this right to repair. I mean, the aftermarket wants to take the responsibility of being stewards of that data. If you had to sit down with these OEs and you represented the aftermarket, how do you see 
a solution that is uh, mindful and respectful. Because we know the aftermarket is servicing the bulk of these vehicles when when they're out of warranty. Well, um, what do I see of the... Um, for the future of the right to repair, um, you know, I, I don't have an answer to that. I wish I did. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you uh, uh, on that. But uh, I, I know ultimately as we progress with technology, we're, we're going to need uh, uh, more more of that uh, free-flowing information. It would be interesting to see how that uh, parlays out in the future. Uh, Pete, would you like to give us a website, anything else that you have up and coming that we can share with the folks? Um, the website, uh, GruberMotors.com. Our YouTube channel is Gruber Motors. And uh, you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube Shorts, uh, TikTok. Uh, um, there, are, there are a bunch of others. My social media team usually reminds me. But um, what I would suggest to anybody listening, if you really want to get in tune with what's going on in the independent repair space, our YouTube channel has over 200 videos. A lot of them are tutorials. The website has things like newsletters that um, will teach you about uh, Tesla Roadsters in the early days of Tesla. And uh, we've spent years developing this kind of content for our audience. That is awesome. And, of course, uh, catch the Gruber Motors uh, podcast on Spotify. Always chock full of great information. Thank you so much, uh, Pete, for spending time with us. We'd like to work out a visit to the garage here in our backyard and would love to come uh, visit the facility and uh, meet up. You know, I highly recommend that because um, we, we get at least one tour per day on average, and people are just amazed what takes place behind the scenes in a Tesla repair shop. Wow. Amazing. Thank you so much. Pete Gruber, Gruber Motors. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, uh, Man, there's a lot of information. Some scary, some scary information. I mean, uh, some of you are saying, well, we have time yet. That, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But we got to be forward thinking. And, of course, Pete Gruber uh, and his team are doing that at Gruber Motors. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us. As I tell you every week, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug the mechanic.